0: Gaggle Podcast, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what's in print. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez, a national reporter at the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Joining me this week at the Arizona Republic's Capitol Bureau are...
1: Dustin
2: Gardner. I cover the state legislature.
0: I'm Rachel Langang. I cover higher education.
2: Daniel Gonzalez. I cover immigration.
0: This week on The Gaggle, will Republicans in the House of Representatives seize the moment and take up immigration reform? Governor Doug Ducey has created an environment where... Companies like Theranos are allowed to experiment of uh, sorts on residents, at least according to a new book by a Wall Street Journal investigative reporter. But first, we saw a flurry of action last week as candidates scrambled to file signatures to appear on the primary ballot. With that action came some drama, of course. Former Senator Don Shooter filed paperwork to run again. The husband of Republican lawmaker Maria Sims is challenging an incumbent in the Senate, but it appears as though many of his signatures are fraudulent. And foes of Ken Bennett, the former secretary of state who is now running for governor, uh, are pouring through his signatures to see if they are legit. Dustin, you have been following all of this drama. Take us through how these fraudulent signatures uh, got on these petitions.
1: Yeah, so last week we started hearing a lot of rumblings that there were patterns um, in the petitions that Mark Sims submitted. Sims is an independent running for the Senate um, in LD28. Um, That is uh, East Phoenix, Paradise Valley area. And we started looking at these patterns. We were seeing things like a lot of uh, the same handwriting for addresses and dates next to signatures. We were seeing instances of Collectors, um, you know, getting every single registered voter in a, in a residence, four or five people in one residence. Um, collectors getting more than 200 signatures um, in a day. There were just a, a number of unusual patterns. And so that led us to start calling voters um, listed on his petition. And as soon as we started talking to people, they were immediately saying that they had not signed his petitions. Their signatures had been forged. Uh, we found one couple who was out of the country. They were traveling to Scotland when they apparently or supposedly signed his forms. Another couple um, were Democrats who had signed for Christine Marsh, the Democrat in the race. So as, as we started looking at this, it was pretty apparent that something was up.
0: Do you have a sense of how they decided whose signatures they were going to use? I mean, they even included like an Arizona Republic reporters name and address you know I mean how clearly that would raise some flags by opponents at some at some juncture
1: so what it looks like is that they had gotten walk lists um, you know basically list of voter registration that the political parties use to canvas and they had had walk lists and gone at you know and then apparently you know just, jotted down the names and forged signatures for dozens and dozens, hundreds of these people. And I should say that we did, we have found some examples where voters say they did sign. So there are some instances of that that we found. um, But overall, there seems to be a pretty broad pattern of forgery.
0: Had it not been to, you know, for the opponents to sort out you know, they they play this typical kind of game where they request all of their their rival's signatures and then they'll pour through them to, to see if there's anything that looks suspicious. Had it not been for that very unofficial, lackadaisical process, would these allegations have, have even become known, do you think?
1: That's one of the striking takeaways from all of this, I think. Um, in Arizona, the Secretary of State's office does not— um, vet signatures on candidate petitions they do for citizen initiatives um, but there's less scrutiny for candidates running for office um and basically the secretary of state's office relies on political opponents to raise any questions about discrepancies and so you know every time we see this you know every year after the filing deadline opponents will come in and request the signatures um, and pour through them and there often are challenges but um, what's unusual this year is just the gravity of some of the forgery allegations you know often signatures are challenged on the grounds that you know that the voter isn't registered, or they don't live in the district, or that you know um, their address or their signature isn't legible. Um, those types of challenges are common. Um, what's really unusual this year is that you're having allegations of hundreds and hundreds of signatures being outright forged.
0: What do we know about the about the people who've who gathered, who are responsible for gathering these signatures?
1: So Mark Sims' campaign is saying that he hired Larry Herrera. Um, Herrera is a Democrat, a school board member. He himself was running for legislature earlier this year in LD20, which is a North Phoenix district, Um, and he actually dropped out um, when some similar allegations came up regarding his uh, uh, qualifying form submitted to the Clean Elections Commission. Uh, Herrera was seeking public financing for his legislative race, and County elections officials reviewed his forms, um, submitted uh, to the Secretary of State's office for clean elections funding, and in those forms the county found um, quite a number of signatures. I think it was more than half of his 200 initial uh, forms contained some sort of discrepancy um, they found several instances where there were signatures from dead people. They found instances where signatures didn't match voter registration. Um, so there seems to be a track record uh, surrounding Herrera and his activity uh, with gathering signatures.
2: Oh, Dustin, I'm curious. So if it turns out that these signatures were indeed forged, what could be the consequences?
1: So the first um, real matter to be debated here is whether Mark Sims can stay on the November 6th general election ballot Um the lawsuit filed by uh, the husband of Kate Brophy McGee, the incumbent senator he's challenging, um, seeks to knock Sims off the ballot. Um, that argues the, the suit argues that he doesn't have enough um, signatures or he, he's not even close when, when they take out the invalid or forged signatures. Um, so that's the first matter here. And there's also the criminal question of forgery. It's a felony to forge a document, um, to knowingly forge a document that's to be submitted with a government agency in Arizona. Um, So anyone who was involved in these forgeries could potentially face criminal charges, and it's unclear at this point if there will be a criminal investigation, so that's something we'll be following and reporting more about in the coming days.
0: There is some questions as to whether or not uh, Ken Bennett, he's the former Secretary of State, who is now challenging Governor Doug Ducey uh, in the primary election. There's questions about whether he will, you know, face similar scrutiny, I guess we should say, as uh, Mark Sims because he used some of the same um, petition gatherers. What do we know about his situation?
1: Yeah, so there have been a lot of rumblings about Bennett as well. And we are seeing um, several names that popped up um, on uh, Mark Sims's petitions those same uh, petition circulators are, some of them are popping up on Ken Bennett's. We are in the process right now of reporting that out more and trying to talk to those voters to see uh, whether they did actually sign or not. Um, And like I said, a lot of buzz around this. So I think that'll be an interesting development that we will be reporting very closely.
0: And according to sources, it looks as though people who are pouring over them say that they are more than 200 signers whose signatures on the petitions don't match those on records with the county recorder. And at least 10 people who have been contacted and confirmed say that they did not sign the petition. So I guess we'll stay tuned and see if we see a challenge.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the the deadline is Wednesday. So there's about a day and a half left um, to challenge. But I think it's very likely that we'll see a challenge. um, And again, very many uh, overlapping patterns here.
0: Is it even worth challenging Bennett, Rachel? I mean, you've covered the, the governor's office and you, you know his team well. Do you have a sense as to whether or not they would even look to something like this?
3: When I asked their campaign if they were going to challenge Bennett's signatures after he turned them in, they said no. Um, it doesn't seem like they're treating him like he's a legitimate threat. Um, we've seen some Twitter battles between the governor's office and, and Bennett in the past like week or so, but... I don't know. A lawsuit seems like something they wouldn't try, but you never know. I mean, if they're clearly fraudulent, um, that would be a different case than just challenging the number of them. Um, I still kind of tend to think not.
0: Daniel, you've covered immigration for 20 years here at the Republic. There's talk again that Congress might try to, once again, make a push for immigration reform ahead of the 2018 cycle. Moderate Republicans need only three more signatures on a petition to force a series of these immigration votes. Uh, Certain provisions, certain pieces of the legislation would help um, DREAMers what has to happen for these pieces of legislation to to move forward for consideration?
2: These bills have been stalled for months in both the House. There was some votes in in the Senate, but they didn't go anywhere. But they've been stalled in this in the House now for months. And um, it looked it seemed like there wasn't going to be any movement on immigration reform this year. But there are a number of uh, moderate Republicans that are trying to force this issue to the forefront. And their motivation is that they're they, they're they're representing districts where there's a lot of Democrats and a lot of Latina voters, and they f- feel like they this is something that p- could be politically advantageous for them if they can get something to move forward. So they have uh, they are gathering petition uh, signatures for what's called a discharge petition. And it would basically force these different. Um, proposals that have been languishing in the House forward and, and they're close to getting enough signatures. They, they just need three more signatures to reach that threshold. Um, if they get enough signatures in the next in the coming days, that would that vote would happen on June 25th. Those pieces of legislation would move forward. Um, but in the meantime, conservative Republicans, they're concerned that if this discharge petition moves forward, it's going to be much more advantageous to kind of the more liberal generous um, immigration reform that democrats favor and, and and we're talking about at the core here of um, how to address the um, young undocumented immigrants who came here as children how to address their legal status after president trump um um kind of ended the the daca program which is is back on is back on not because of court challenges but um so What will happen today is that the conservatives and the Republicans are meeting and we'll see what happens, whether they can come up with strike some kind of deal that is agreeable to moderates and conservatives, both on um, how to address the dreamers, whether they should just get legal status or have a full path to citizenship, and then all these other ancillary issues that they're trying to solve at the same time. Things like money to go towards President Trump's border wall, Whether to create a mandatory uh, nationwide e verify program, um, whether to um, restrict um, family migration and no longer allow certain relatives to come, whether to get rid of the visa lottery program, diversity visa lottery program. So there's a lot of stuff on the table. It's complicated. um, And today we're going to have a good idea of whether this is going to move forward or not.
0: Representative Paul Gosar has dubbed. Long-standing bipartisan efforts to to take a comprehensive approach towards overhauling the immigration system a crap sandwich and his sentiments probably reflect those of many in the Freedom Caucus with attitudes like this is there really any room for compromise do you think
2: Well, I mean, this is why immigration reform has been had fits and starts going back for really for many, many years, we're talking 15, 16, 17 years that Congress has been trying to pass some kind of comprehensive immigration reform. There's just so many different interests involved, both within the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Paul Gosar was referencing this this attempt that that they've tried before to do comprehensive immigration reform, where they would deal with all these different things at the same time, talking about not just the DREAMers, but the entire undocumented population. Uh, changes to the legal immigration system, changes uh, beefing up border security, interior enforcement, creating some kinds of guest worker programs that would satisfy uh, the business uh, communities and also some more uh, libertarian Republicans. This is very very complicated issue, and that's why we haven't seen anything really on any kind of large scale pass through. Pre- um, Representative Gosar. Very much represents the conservative faction of the Republicans who want to see strict uh, border security and immigration enforcement measures put in before there's any kind of even attempt to look at uh, legalizing undocumented immigrants.
0: How would reform benefit Republicans heading into the to the midterms? If they could, if they could get this done, it seems to me that they take away a key talking point for Democrats.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. I mean, Democrats, you know, they have kind of positioned themselves as the champion of immigration reform and trying to get something done. But as long as Republicans don't do something, they can continue to use that issue as a bludgeon to hit Republicans with. But on the other hand, um, President Trump did campaign on a, uh, uh, as a candidate for for border security and immigration, uh, hardline immigration interior enforcement, we're seeing you know a, a constant day by day uh, st- uh, tightening of immigration policies. Just um, yesterday, the uh, Attorney General Sessions announced that he was going to make it a lot harder to get amnesty for the families from Central America. They're fleeing horrific uh, gang violence and and other uh, conditions in Central America and arriving in the United States. And uh, so Republicans, yes, they would benefit in some ways, um, but they're not going. They're they're also make themselves vulnerable um, to challenges from the right if they appear to be siding on any issue with the Democrats.
0: We'll be following your reporting. Rachel, a new book from the Wall Street Journal reporter who investigated the blood testing company Theranos says that corporate officials duped Arizonans and patients by selling unproven unreliable products that resulted in flawed medical results. Uh, The book essentially says that Governor Doug Ducey and state officials aided this Theranos experiment because of their lax regulatory environment. What are... The big takeaways from this book. You, you read it, you raved about it.
3: It's an excellent book if you're looking to understand how Silicon Valley works and how venture capital can create these products that actually don't serve consumers very well and are largely untested. I mean, um, Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of this company, she came to Arizona selling a story that people here really bought. Um, she was a female entrepreneur, um, in a largely male environment, and I think people really were looking for someone like that. And she had this highly technical product that you and I likely wouldn't understand, so there weren't as many questions about how the technology worked. So it's sort of a perfect storm that led to her being able to sort of bamboozle basically everyone, and, and this includes people from both political parties. But here in Arizona, she, got, uh, she was involved in getting a law passed um, that made more direct testing available to, directly to consumers, so you didn't have to get a doctor's note for various tests. So um, people could walk into Walgreens and get these tests done that, you know, the results were not reliable. They ended up having to go to go to doctors and get additional testing that cost a lot of money. And, you know, if you think you have potassium levels that show you're going to have a stroke tomorrow, you're probably really stressed out about that, too. So it created all of this stress and financial strain on people in Arizona who were the guinea pigs of this medical experiment.
0: I remember being at the press conference with Governor Ducey and Elizabeth Holmes and various lawmakers, I think it was over in Tempe or South Scottsdale, and they just could not uh, say enough nice things about this company and what a what a great deal this was for Arizona. They were bending over backwards to make this um, a workable environment for her. They've done that for other companies as well. Right,
3: I mean, Arizona Governor Ducey has tried to brand Arizona as like Silicon Valley 2.0. So you know there was the big to do of bringing the self driving Ubers here from California. Every speech he gives seems to have some sort of dig at California and their regulatory environment. And we've very much branded Arizona as the anti California, hoping to get some of this tech boom that that California has seen. Um, And what that means is. For your everyday consumer, there may not be protections in place to make sure that they're not getting scammed. Um, and w- in the Theranos case, I, the author of the book very much, you know, it was very much a scam that he, he showed how they tried to basically cook the books on their research to show that it was more reliable than it was. And a lot of people fell for it.
0: Will voters care come primary
3: Election time or general election time? The voters who got the test probably definitely will care. Um, But the general electorate, I think this is a secondary issue um, of what are we doing for these tech companies, and does it keep us everyday folks, does it keep us safe? Um, I don't think it's the primary issue in in the election. Definitely that seems like it's still education, but people are very aware of Uber and Theranos and uh, what's happened with those companies. They're very high-profile And they had a a bill of goods that they were selling that has turned out to not be true.
0: For our final segment, we bring you Spill the Tea. Dustin, what kind of good gossip do you have on your beat?
1: So, I was talking about um, allegations of forged voter signatures in LD 28 and how the Mark Sims campaign says that um, they are victims of fraud because they hired a signature gatherer by the name of Larry Herrera. Um, And I also mentioned how Herrera had withdrawn from his own campaign for legislature because it was found that um, forms for clean elections funding he submitted included the signatures of dead people. Um, a little more tea on that. The Clean Elections Commission, um, the director of that commission, is actually asking the, the attorney general's office to investigate um, those issues with Herrera's own uh, forms and the forged signatures of dead people. It's
0: quite some, go- some gossip. Um, Rachel. Sorry, that story has a
3: million twists and turns that I just love. <laughs> I didn't know they were dead. I uh, am keeping an eye on the campaign that Tom Steyer is running to get young people to vote. This is starting to roll out on college campuses. Um, They have a few dozen people already on staff, $3 million to spend to try to get college students primarily um, to get out and vote. Um, It's the summer right now, so they're working on all these sorts of events. But they just had a pool party um, that they got a few dozen people to sign up to vote. They have some plans for Welcome Week. If you're on a college campus, you're going to see these folks. So I think this is one of the bigger stories um, in higher ed for the coming election cycle. Um, How do you get young people to vote, I think, is a question people have been trying to figure out for decades. So if it involves money and uh, pool parties and petting zoos and a lot of flashy things, um, remains to be seen if it'll work. But they have lofty goals of getting hundreds of thousands of young people signed up to vote and turn them out in the 2018 election.
2: Daniel. Daniel. Well, my colleague and I, Rafael Carranza, who covers the border, are continuing to follow this issue that's unfolding with the Trump administration separating um, parents from children who arrive at the border. Um, what's, what the, what's been happening, if you haven't been following the issue, is that um, all parents now who enter the country illegally with their children are being prosecuted criminally. And as a result of that, the, the government is, is taking away their children and putting them in the custody of the Department of Health and Human Services, a totally different agency than, that um, the parents are in the custody of. And we're, what we're really trying to track down is, as a result of this policy, are some parents actually being deported back to their countries without their children? We're trying to nail down some some actual cases of that.
0: And I have learned that a very high-profile Republican lawmaker down here at the state capitol likely will not be returning. Uh, it likely will shake the political world at least a little bit. I will tell more, spill more tea when I can. Stay tuned for that, though. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Gaggle Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Yvonne Wingett.
1: I'm at Dustin Gardner, and that's G-A-R-D-I-N-E-R.
3: I'm at Rachel Langang, that's L-E-I-N-G-A-N-G.
2: And I'm at A-Z Dan Gonzalez.
0: Thanks to the politics team and also our producers, Carly Henry and Sierra Juarez. Please subscribe to the show and review it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. See you soon.